Welcome to Peak City Church. We pray that this message fills you with hope and encourages you wherever you are. Also, follow us on social media at Peak City Co. to stay connected with us. Be blessed. such a beautiful picture of what it's like to follow Jesus, to sing a song like that on a morning like this, where we celebrate the victory of God, and we also acknowledge the grief and the brokenness that's in our world, right? Like, that's what it's like to follow Jesus. It's, it's both God is victorious, and we know that there will come a day where he will wipe away every tear from every eye. He will right every wrong, and we live in the midst of this really broken and messed up world where if you didn't see it, it happened here in our city last night. There was a a club where there was a shooting that happened. It was an LGBTQ club where 18 people were shot and five are dead as of the most recent report. And that's messed up, and that's broken. And, and we condemn all acts of hatred and violence towards any people group, especially anyone in the LGBTQ community. And, and we live in this like weird tension where we can sing a song like that. And I know every single person on the stage who was just leading you in worship, they knew about what had happened this morning. And at the same time, we, we grieve, right? Because Jesus, it was said of Jesus that he was a man of constant sorrow, well acquainted with the deepest grief. He knows The man stretched his arms out on a cross and died in the face of that kind of evil, right? We we, we understand, but also at the same time, we know that he's victorious. We know that one day he will will right this wrong. And and to me, when I I see that report, I mean, like I I saw it about about an hour before I got to church this morning. And, And I see that and I just go, man, when I hear that in our own city, we will grieve, we will pray, and it presses on me the, the need even more for us to create this inclusive, loving family that can bring hope to our city. What, what we're doing here is so important and so needed. And so what I want to do right now is um, I just want us to pray. And I want us to pray like a family. And so uh, if you're watching with us online, you can do it at home. If you're with us in person, I want you to do it in person. Then we're going to do something a little, we don't do this all the time, but get comfy with each other, all right? Um, I want you to grab the hand of the person next to you. If you're not standing by anyone, then go down the row, skip a row. And we're just going to pray in unity for those who have been impacted by this tragedy. We're going to pray for our city. We're going to pray that Jesus would do what only he can do. So let's pray together. Jesus, you are a God who weeps. You're a God who bleeds. You know how how deep the pain is right now in our community. You know what it's like for those people who have lost loved ones. You know what they're going through. You're well acquainted with with the deepest grief. And so we trust our city to you. We trust those people who are hurting right now. We trust them to you, and we ask that you would wrap your arms of comfort around them, that you would do what only you can do, that you would bring peace that transcends all understanding, that you you bring love and hope to a sad and broken situation. God, we pray that people in our city who don't believe like us, who, who live their lives differently than us, that they would see that they have families with arms wide open who are going to love them. God, I know we're sending a team of people from Peak City this afternoon down to that club to see if there's any way we can serve. God, I pray for open doors to serve and to love and to bless. 
God, I, I know that you're gonna move in this situation, but God, we can't escape just how broken and messed up it is. And so God, I pray right now the same thing that Jesus' followers have been praying for 2,000 years in the face of evil. We have prayed consistently, come Lord Jesus, come. Jesus, come quickly. We need your presence right now in this moment, but God, we're praying that the day that you come and wipe every tear from every eye and you right every wrong and you put an end to this broken evil that is in our world, God, we're praying that that day would come and come quickly. So Jesus, we, we love you and we grieve and we claim victory. We grieve with those who are hurting and we claim victory that you will reign. You are the king. Glory to God forever. And we long for the day that you're going to make it all right and we trust it's going to happen. And we pray this as a family in unity in the name of Jesus together by saying amen. Amen. You can either find yourself a new seat with the people you just <laughs> held hands with or get back to your seat, man. I'm so glad that you're with us. I want you to stay standing with me for a second. You're starting to sit down. I ain't done yet. Because um, I'm, I'm excited about today, man. We're going we're gonna to push through uh, the sadness and, and the grief. We're going to continue to live in that. And we're also going to do what we came here to do today. And today is a big day. It's Vision Sunday. Where we're going we're gonna to really rally around together where God is leading us as a church and the good that we believe he wants us to do in this city. And I think a, a day like today makes it even more needed. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about where God's leading us. And, and, the, and I, I actually want to jump right into it and share one thing with you before you sit down, all right? Uh, we're jumping into this next season, this big Build the Future offering. I told you about it over the past couple weeks. And um, we're going to focus our Build the Future offering, which is a special offering we take up in December. It's anything given above our monthly operating expenses as a church goes towards these two areas of focus. And one of them is that we're going to work on making our front door even more engaging and more impactful. And I know you're thinking, man, I just, if you're with us in person, you just walk through those front doors and they look fine. I ain't talking about that front door. I'm talking about the front door that around two or 300 people are watching right now on the other side of that camera online right now. And, and, and you need to know this, that there are, you know, 100 people or so that watch with us online every single week live, and then there's a couple hundred more that watch it afterwards every single week. And, and, and not only that, you need to know, that is the front door of our church. Most people interact with us online before they ever step foot in this building. In fact, by show of hands right now in the room, if you, before you came to Peak City, if you looked us up online, checked out social media, or watched a service before you stepped in the doors, I want you to raise your hand right now. Look around. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. The most frequent story we hear is that I drove by the building, I saw that big old P on the side of the building, and I went and looked up online. And, and in fact, I, I think the beautiful thing about this is that as, as we look to make this online presence in our community more engaging, more inviting, more inclusive, God is already using it, right? Um, just two months ago, we had a woman that walked in our church for the first time. Her name was Shara, first time in person, and it was on a baptism Sunday, and she got baptized that day. That's, that's beautiful, right? But you need to know when I asked her, before she got in the baptism, I was like, hey, you got to tell me, it's your first time. How in the heck did this happen? And she said, well, this is my first time with you in person, but this is not my first time. I've been watching Peak City Online for the past three or four weeks from the treadmill at Planet Fitness. And then I came because I can't get baptized online. I can watch online, but I can't get baptized online. Isn't that beautiful? I got a message on, on Twitter just a few weeks ago from a guy who heard about Peak City from a friend who shared something. And he lives in Texas. Can't, can't get here in person. 
He's been watching online and he sent us a message to say that he decided to recommit his life to Christ. And I thought it was so beautiful that he decides to recommit his life to Christ. He's watching online with us every single week. But then he took the step of just getting engaged and involved in a church near him in Texas. And he sent me this picture last week of him getting baptized. This is Ryan who got baptized because of what God is doing through Peak City Online. It's beautiful. And so, man, if we're a church that's about reaching people, we have to make sure that our front door, our initial interaction with people is as engaging and, and communicates the love and the, the unconditional grace of God in the best way possible. So we're going to take a portion of our Build the Future offering, and we're going to make it the best it can be so that when you invite your friends and they go to check things out, they see a good representation of what God is doing here. All right? It's going to be a beautiful thing. Um, I got more presents to share with you, though. Before I do that, why don't you turn around? meet some people around you, give some hugs, some high fives, and then we'll jump in to the rest of service today. Let's go. I was 14 when I met Parth. He told me I was beautiful. He told me he loved me. Pat said he could help me to find a better job in India, one where I wouldn't be under the wilting sun all day. When I got to India, Pat changed. He hit me, he raped me, he handed me over to a woman. She said I'm hers now. That I owe her the cost of my travel. That I can only pay it off by sleeping with men. There are more than a dozen a day. one of 40 million people in modern-day slavery today. She has been told that she is worthless, disposable. But we believe Maya and all humans have inherent value. At the Exodus Road, we are creating a world in which girls like Maya are never bought, sold, or exploited. It all started when my husband, Matt, and I were living in Northern Thailand. We learned how marginalized groups in the area were targets of human trafficking. We learned about the problem at the ground level from local law enforcement and other NGOs. Eventually, Matt was deputized by police to gather evidence for law enforcement so they could pursue traffickers and liberate trafficked women and children. Now, the Exodus Road works in six countries around the world. We partner with law enforcement to help find and free people just like Maya. The Exodus Road Search and Rescue Program has helped free more than 1,600 women and kids from sex trafficking. We have aided in the arrest of nearly 1,000 traffickers. Through Traffic Watch Academy, our online anti-human trafficking platform, we also provide training and education to equip communities to protect the vulnerable. And through our Beyond Rescue Program, we empower survivors of human trafficking as they walk into freedom. Our on-staff social workers care and advocate for survivors at the time of intervention. And the Exodus Roads Freedom Home in Thailand offers survivors a safe house, trauma-informed therapy, life skills classes, and entrepreneurship training. 
We are looking for partners like you to help us continue liberate people like Maya and walk with them into freedom. Will you join us? Because Maya and all other women and children like her are worth it. It's beautiful. We, uh, we get the unique privilege this year of the second part of our Build the Future offering. The second area of focus for us this year is that we're going to partner with the Exodus Road and we're going to help expand their aftercare shelter in Thailand. Right now they have, yeah, we should clap for that. That's a beautiful thing. Thank you, Melissa. It's beautiful. Right now, they have uh, an aftercare facility that once, uh, once a woman is rescued uh, from sex slavery, um, they are able to go to this aftercare shelter and, and just find wholeness and healing emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually. And so right now, that facility can only house about 10 women, and they've got 13 people living there right now. And so we're going to work with them together, and part of our offering is going to help expand that facility so that even more women can be cared for. And I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing for us to get to do at the end of the year together, to partner with them in that and do something big. And so... That's the pitch, okay? Build the future offering. We're going to make Peak City Online the most engaging thing that it can be so that more and more people in our city can come to know who Jesus is here. And we're going to help the Exodus Road um, build a, an, an even bigger, uh, more expansive aftercare facility in Thailand so those women can be cared for. And, uh, and cool thing, too, on, on December 18th, uh, mark your calendars for that, uh, December 18th, um, Matt and Laura Parker, for, uh, Parker from the Exodus Road, the woman you saw in the video, uh, will be here in person to share with us and to share all kinds of cool stuff that's happening. So be there that day. Um, the, the logistics of our Build the Future offering, just so you know, if you're new to, uh, to this whole thing, um, we don't have a special designated place that you give this Build the Future offering to. It's just anything in the month of December that's given that is beyond our, that, that, that is above and beyond our monthly operating expenses. So anything that's above and beyond that, we set it aside and uh, give that towards these Build the Future offering areas. So uh, plan your offering. I'm intentionally telling you guys this before Black Friday. You don't need another kitchen mixer. Your kitchen mixer's good. It mixes good things, okay? Um, I, I'm telling you this so you can play, uh, pray, uh, play, pray and plan uh, accordingly and then make that gift in December and let's give big. Let's give big and let's make a big difference, okay? Um, if you have a Bible and you want to get there, we are in John chapter 5 today. Um, just because it's Vision Sunday don't mean we ain't talking about Jesus. Uh, we're going to continue to preach Jesus every week, and, I, and the message that he's given me today is both for you personally, and it is for us corporately. The, uh, the title of my message for you today is, Get Up. Get Up. Um, and I'm ready for it. I want you to know I'm coming in a little extra hot today because I got my first technical foul as a YMCA basketball coach yesterday. <laughs> like to thank you. I have many people I'd like to thank. Um, side note, I got to tell you, just so you're like, oh my gosh, our pastor say something inappropriate. No, okay? Here's what happened, okay? I'm not going to say which gym was at or what referee. No, no. I'll just tell you what happened. The refs were calling things on, it's an instructional league. It's the YMCA, all right? Refs are calling things, which are fine. It's great. Let's teach the kids. But they blow the whistle. They go, Over and back is what that means, right? It's like when you pass the ball the back court. But they're not telling our players what that is. I got people, I got, we got people on the team who've never played basketball before. Then they go, which means three seconds in the lane. And then they get, but they wouldn't say it. And so I stood up and I said, ref, will you please tell these players what they're doing wrong? And he, he says, warning on the bench, the assistant coach is not allowed to stand up. 
So apparently Taylor's allowed to stand up, but I have to sit down. So then I sat down, and I said, if you think me sitting down is going to keep me from yapping, you're wrong. I can be just as loud from my butt as I can from my feet. And then I continued to say things like that over and over. And I got a technical, okay? Now that that one's out of the way, I got plenty more in front of me, I'm sure. But because of that, I'm ready to preach. So y'all ready to go? Let's do it. Let's get up. John chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, it says this, that sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. And one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, and he learned that he had been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, do you want to get well? <laughs> it's kind of an odd question. To a guy who's been unable to walk for 38 years, it's a little bit of an odd question. Right? Like, do I want to win the Powerball? Yeah. Do I want my kids to stay in the room after I've tucked them in and not come out asking for a drink of water a hundred times? Yes. Do you want to get well? Like, of course. What kind of question? Like, this is such an odd setting, right? Jesus is here, and it's this pool that people believed had some sort of miraculous healing properties. In fact, there was a legend that people believed about this, uh, uh, this pool that every time the waters would shift, they believed it was an angel of God who was coming down and stirring the water. And, and they believed that if they could get in the pool quick enough, when the angel starts stirring the water, that they could somehow be miraculously healed. And so this man is sitting there. He's been, he's been unable to walk for 38 years. And Jesus says, do you want to get well? I'm like, man, he's sitting at the pool. He's, he's trying, right? It's a kind of an odd question. Do you want to get well? But the answer is even more odd. It says in verse 7, it says, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Notice what he does there. Did Jesus ask him, why haven't you gotten in the pool? Mm -mm. Jesus said, do you want to get well? And what does he start doing? He's, as soon as he hears that question, which brings up this area of pain and brokenness in his life, he starts pointing fingers of blame. And all valid. Very, very valid points. Isn't it funny how we do that sometimes? Our initial reaction is to get very defensive. I had a, I had a buddy in town who uh, recently, and he was coming to Colorado Springs, and he was like, man, I have researched this place. I did my Google research. Y'all got all kinds of amazing things. Petey, you live in a destination location. This is great. He's like, have you done this hike, this hike, this hike? Have you been to this restaurant, this restaurant? Have, have, you, have you taken your family to these cool places? And in my mind, I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm not a tourist. I live here. I don't do the things everyone does here, you know? But instead of just saying no, I said to him, well, man, honestly, I'm just so busy, like pastor life and raising a family and, you know, all that. There's just a lot going on, man. And he was like, cool, so you haven't been to those places? <laughs> I'm like, no. He's like, that's all you had to say, man. I wasn't trying to pry in your life. I'm not trying to like get in there and say, like, I know you're busy. I was just asking if you've been to these places. Don't get so... But we do that, right? Like when, when there's an area of pain or brokenness in our life that is boiled to the surface, human tendency is to point at circumstances and people. And to say, well, this area of my life is messed up because of all of these circumstances and all of these and all these people. And I just believe that there may be some people here today. Let's, you know, we'll get back to church vision stuff in a second. Let's just talk personally. I think many of us today find ourselves down in a pit. We find ourselves dealing with some really broken areas of our life. 
And when those things are boiled to the surface, we can tell you all the justifiable good reasons as to why, they're, why we're there, why we're down. And, and I just think that sometimes people, we all need it. We all need someone to come alongside of us and do for us and say to us what Jesus says to this man in the next verse. It says in verse 8 that Jesus said to him, get up. Get up. Pick up your mat and walk. I think some of us are in a pit today and, and, and you're dealing with some really, really broken things in your life and there's all kinds of really good justifiable reasons but I think Jesus might want to lovingly come alongside you today and say, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Now, I want to be very careful how I say this, okay? Because there's a, a very high probability that you will not hear the right thing unless I clarify this. What I am not saying to you is that you have an area of brokenness in your life, something has happened to you and you're down in the dumps and, and what you need to do is pull yourself up by the bootstraps and just go. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying to this man is you need to get up. You need to take responsibility for what you can in your life and then you need to, we're gonna see what happens in a second, depend and trust in and partner with the power of God. That if you would take, if you would stop pointing the fingers of blame at why you are where you are and instead just go, yep, this is where I am and I'm going to trust in and depend on the power of God in my life. I'm telling you, you could find healing. You could find wholeness. You could take steps forward. You could see life change if you would stop blaming and stop giving power. That's what it is. Stop giving power to other people and what they've done to you. Stop giving power to the circumstances that you find yourself in. Take responsibility for it and then partner with it and trust in the power of God that he can bring healing to your life. I'm saying right now, there are some people in this room who your marriage is messed up. And I know we say, we use marriage examples every week. It's because there's a lot of people in this church with messed up marriages. It's because there's a lot of people in our world with messed up marriages. The, the divorce rate is climbing, climbing, climbing and the divorce rate in the church is not any further behind. And so you might be sitting today with someone who, you know, you're married and you might be sitting next to them, but you are at odds. Or maybe today it's, it's because of who's not sitting next to you and you're in church right now and you wish they were with you and it's because there's friction, there's tension, there's some pain and brokenness in that relationship. You know what God wants to help you do today? He wants to help you through his power, through his spirit to get up. You can't change that person. You can't change them. You can't fix your marriage like that. But you know what you can do? You can take responsibility for what you can own. You can take responsibility for how you serve, for how you love. You don't have to wait on them to reciprocate. You can start building an environment and building a marriage that, that, that would be good and wait on them to catch up through the power of God. Did you know this? You can actually forgive. You can forgive anything that has been done to you because Jesus was able to forgive you. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's simple, and I'm saying it's a daily choice. But because of the love of God, you have the capacity to do this. You can get up. We, we so often underestimate what we are capable of when we finally stop blaming other people. And we just take responsibility for where we are, and we partner with the power of God in us. There's so much freedom and so much healing you could find if you would do that. Some of us in the room right now, we are dealing with stress. Our, our coping mechanisms are really, really, really unhealthy. Really unhealthy. My, uh, my counselor this past week asked me, she was like, she said, Petey, um, I think you have uh, chronic stress. She's like, you deal with a lot of stress all the time. Chronic stress. I'm like, I like that label. That feels good. She's like, so, so tell me, when you, do with, when you do with all this stress, how do you cope? And I said, cereal. <laughs> and she said, cereal? I said, cereal. 
I said what I said. It's like, you, you have a bad day, and you, what do you do? You go home and pour a bowl of, like, Reese Puffs? Yes, I do. It's like, okay, fair enough. You do you. Truth is, we all have some really unhealthy coping mechanisms. Some of us, it's food. Some of us, it's alcohol. Some of it's pills. Some of it's smoking weed. Some of us, it's working out. And I know you're like, wait, wait, that's a, that's a healthy coping mechanism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until it becomes an obsession with body image. Until it becomes an obsession with you controlling the only thing that you can control. And we, we all got them. And I'm telling you right now, you have some coping mechanisms in your life that are probably hurting you more than helping you. And you don't know how to get out of it. And, and you've got good reasons as to why you do it. You could point to some circumstances and some people who have messed you up. And, and, and you're not wrong, but I believe Jesus would come alongside you and say, get up. Take responsibility for where you are and partner with the power of God that is available to you every single day. The resurrection power of Jesus can help you overcome. Paul, uh, Paul, Paul writes it in, in the New Testament. I can do how many things through Christ who strengthens me? All things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul writes, in, in Christ Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. You partnered with the power of God in you. I'm telling you, you can do so, so, so much. So, and, and I intend to show this to you. I intend to show this to you in my own life. I intend for people on our staff to show this to you. I told, I told uh, Derek Purvis, our executive pastor, um, how many of y'all were here last week for Derek's message? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, wasn't that an incredible message? Oh, my gosh. If you missed it, it was such a powerful message. I'm so proud of him. He was so vulnerable. I mean, he shared stuff on this stage publicly that you need to know it's like, it's hard to get up in front of several hundred people and to share things like he's on depression and anxiety meds and share things like marriage struggles that they're working through. I mean, that's a bold, bold move. And then, you know, I told you two weeks before that, you know, mental health issues dealing with ministry and family and all that, I'm, I'm in counseling now. Like we're, we're, we're trying to lead the way in that, that defining mark of our church, which is being raw, right? Being vulnerable, no pressure to perform. But I told Derek this week, I'm like, hey, with all this public vulnerability, which is awesome, it also comes alongside of, of now public responsibility. It is our responsibility as your leaders to be vulnerable, to not pretend like we're better than we are. And it's also our responsibility as your leaders to show you that through the power of God in us, we can overcome. Through the power of God, like I, I fully intend on six months from now being able to stand in front of you and tell you about some of the ways that counseling has helped me overcome. I fully intend to show you that when I take responsibility for my life and I partner with the power of Jesus in me, change can happen. You, you, you can experience what this man experiences in verse 9. Check this. As soon as he stops pointing the fingers of blame, he partners with the power of God. And I know it's a miraculous example, but I think it's a miraculous example where he's trying to prove a point to you practically. It says in verse 9, at once... The man was cured. He picked up his mat and he walked. I think that if you would begin taking responsibility for where you are, own what you can own, and partner with the power of God, I think you could see some pretty instant change in your life. You could see some pretty instant. And, and I know you're thinking, man, that, that sounds extreme. You're talking about a man who was cured instantly. I'm telling you, I've seen, you say that's extreme because you look this way. It's not extreme when you sit where I sit and look this way. I have seen too much in this room. If you're, if you're with us online and you're not in person, you need to get here. Because there, there are people in this room right now that I could stand them up and they have overcome suicidal thoughts that they've had for years. When they, fart, when they start taking responsibility for where they are, they partner with the power of God and all of a sudden their mental health began to improve. I've seen people in this room overcome years of addiction when they began to take responsibility, even if, even if, 
even if they're a victim. See, I know fully well that when I say this, some of you in this room, you are victims. You've been to hell and back. You are actual victims. I ain't talking about like, I'm a Gen Zer and my plant died. <laughs> Sorry, Gen Zers. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by your love of plants. It's amazing. I'm talking about real victims. I'm talking about people who've been to hell and back in their life. And you have every reason in the world to point to those circumstances and those people who have wronged you. You are, you are not wrong, and this is a safe place to heal. This is a safe place to, to receive love. But any counselor will tell you at some point, yes, you have to survey reality. Yes, you have to know the truth of what's happened to you. And yes, you have to own that. And yes, yes, yes. There's, but at some point, you have to remove power from what people have done to you. You have to remove power from the circumstances that you have endured. You have to take responsibility for what you can own. And through the power of God, you can get up. You can find healing. You can find wholeness. You can do it through the power of God. And so I, I believe wholeheartedly, I believe with all of my heart, that some of you in this room need to get up. I've been praying all week that God would bring some people here today who just need to hear that, who need to be just lovingly kicked in the butt a little bit to say, you can do this. Through the power of God in you, you can get up. But I also believe it's not only a word for our personal lives. I believe it's a word for our corporate gathering here, this thing that we call church. Because I think that what God was revealing to me in this passage is that for the past two years, I have been pointing the finger of blame at COVID and what it did to our church nonstop. I've been, I've been for two years now sitting back and going, gosh, man, our church would be so much further along if that stupid pandemic hadn't come and turned community upside down. Uh, we'd be so much further along. We'd reach so many more people. We'd be so much more tight-knit if COVID. And I think God was saying, Petey, stop this. You're not wrong, but stop pointing the finger of blame. Take responsibility for where we are, and then through the power of God, let's build something better. And so what I did over the past two weeks is I wrote down three statements for you that I think capture the vision of where God is taking us. When I say vision, I want to be clear about what I mean here. Um, our mission statement hasn't changed. You know, we exist to help people discover Jesus and follow him fearlessly. Nothing about culture class has changed. Our goals haven't changed. We still want to reach 2,500 people for Jesus in the next few years. We still want to pay off this building and give more money away than ever before. All, all that's, I, I feel like in the leadership world right now, strategy and mission and vision, those words just get tossed around. When I say vision, here's what I mean. When I squint my eyes and look in the future of who we're becoming, what's it look like? Like, what's, what's the picture of where we are right now? And then when you lift and you squint a little bit, it's like, what is it, what's the church look like in a few years? And so I wrote three things down that, for us, capture where we are and where we're going. And I want you to write them down. I want you to pray on them. Uh, I want you to adopt these as um, statements of your own. And I want to be very clear on that. When I, when I talk about what we're about to talk about, um, it is us together, not me. I want to be very clear about this. Um, this church is not my responsibility, it's ours. The financial health of this church is not my responsibility, it's ours. I picked that up from counseling this week. My counselor told me I take responsibility for too much. I'm trying to practice what I preach. Because when people get baptized, when people give their lives to Jesus, it's not my responsibility, it's ours. 
It's us collectively together. What we build here is not on one person. It is all of us in this thing together. And so I want you to, I want you to write these statements down. I want you to pray on them. I want you to think about how you can uh, let them become your personal responsibility as well. Okay? Number one. I got three for you. It's a good old-fashioned three-point sermon. I don't do three-point sermons a lot, but today you get it. Number one. We are growing, but just getting started. We are growing, but just getting started. I love so much what is happening here. Every single week in the lobby, I have someone that comes up to me, and they'll be like, Petey, look around. Can you believe how many people are coming to church now? And it's usually someone that was either with us pre-COVID or they're, they're with us in the middle of COVID. And they remember some of those services where there was like 10 people in the room. <laughs> and we wondered if the church would. And you look around, it's like, oh my gosh. And, and it is like, you got to know, we are in rare territory as a church right now. Most churches have not even recovered back to their pre-COVID attendance numbers. Most churches are still half the church that they used to be. We blew past our pre-COVID numbers. We're seeing God grow this thing. We're seeing people get baptized. It's amazing. We're growing, and I love it. You guys are doing a great job of inviting people. and spread. That's, It's awesome. We're growing. But also, let's not trick ourselves here. We're just getting started. We're just getting started. And, and, and I know when I say this, it's going to make some people feel uncomfortable. I know when I say it, some of you are like, I don't know about the church and numbers and growth and attendance. And, and I get it, but you have to understand, we need to all be on the same page when we talk about growth. When Jesus said the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like a rich man throws a big old party and invites all of his friends and three-fourths of them say no for lame excuses. He said the kingdom of God is like this. Instead of the rich man being content with his little intimate gathering of his closest friends, the rich man says, no, 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 no. We're going to go out to the countryside and invite everyone we see. We're going to go to the alleys and the streets. We're going to turn over every bush, every hedge. We're going to go ever to invite anyone and everyone. It don't matter what they look like. It don't matter how much money they do or don't have. It doesn't matter who they are, what they've done. We will invite everyone so that the house may be full. Jesus said that's what the kingdom of God is like. And, and so I will unapologetically say, yeah, 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 we want to grow. Absolutely. And at the same time, we want to be a community and be family and stay tight-knit together. But, but I'm telling you, we're growing, but we're just getting started. Do not, do not, do not let the growth of our church um, puff you up into thinking that we're good. Because I ain't in this to compare us to some other church down the street. <laughs> I, I don't care about some other church down the street and what numbers they're running. I, I'm not in this to compare to other churches. I'm saying right now, we've grown a ton, 25% from, this, from last year to this point. It's amazing. We're growing, but let's not kid ourselves. It's a drop in the buckets compared to the amount of people who need to know Jesus. It is a drop in the buckets compared to the number of people in this city who do not know who Jesus is and what he's really all about. Do not let these, these you know, crowds of people that are coming into Peak City, if you've been here for a while, you're like, oh my gosh, don't let that fool you. No, 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 no. We are growing, but we are just getting started. We need people now more than ever. After something like last night happens, we need people now more than ever who will reach out and invite their neighbors, who will reach out and invite their classmates, who will take invite cards to work and say, you got to come see what God's doing here. We need to open the doors and invite and invite and invite because they are, these are lost sons and daughters of the Most High God. That's what we're dealing with here. Let us not ever get comfortable in this. we got to keep going, all right? We're growing. We're growing. It's beautiful. It's awesome. I love it. Comma and we're just getting started. Number two, I told you I didn't come here to mess around today. This next one, 
I love this next one. I love getting to say this to you. I had so much fun saying this to first service. We are generous, but still in need. You have anybody in your life where, who is um, really, really exceptional at something, but they, they don't really understand how rare it is? You know, like, my, like my oldest son, Emmett, um, he's, he's such a fascinating kid, and he doesn't know this, but he is the most perceptive and like emotionally in tune person, not, not just kid, person I've ever met. Emmett can walk into a room and he can tell you who's sad, who's lonely, who's happy, who's angry, who's the life of the party. He can read the room like that. And it's scary sometimes. Like a couple weeks ago, he comes up to me um, and I, I'd been home from work for about an hour and I was, I was helping cook dinner and hanging out with the kids and all that. And it, uh, my son Emmett walks up to me and he says, he said, hey dad, um, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, why? He's like, I don't know, just your energy feels off today. Did you have a good day at work? And I was like, no, I didn't. How did you? Like, I was waiting on him to go, and now you will give me your money. <laughs> and I was going to say, I will give you my money. <laughs> Freaking Jedi kid, get away from me. <laughs> like, he doesn't understand how rare that is and how, how well that's going to serve him in life to be that emotionally in tune with, with people, right? He's just got that skill. He, he just doesn't see it. Peak City, can I tell you, you are generous, and I know you don't feel it. You are unbelievably generous, and I know for a fact that you don't know how rare it is. I had a, I had a buddy of mine when I first started here at Peak City. We're, we're, we're going to talk about money a little bit right now, okay? So um, if you don't like the idea of church and money, or you don't like the idea of church having any sort of business side to it, that's cool. Plug your ears and la, 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 la for a little bit. The rest of us will have an adult conversation because it is a reality, <laughs> right? Like we got to talk about it. I had a buddy who ran, a, ran an audit on our church when I first got here, and he was like, Petey, you are dealing with one of the most generous churches you will ever find. These people are so sacrificial. These people give so much. It's amazing. Here's the deal. You have no idea, though. You have no idea that you're that generous because we have gone through the biggest financial lift over the past two and a half years of any church I know in the country. Our generosity collectively together has done so much over the past two and a half years. So you probably don't feel it because we're giving it. We've had to, we've had this incredible, massive lift. I, I, I want you to hear this. And for some of you that are new to the church, you need to know some of the history behind this. Like over the past two, three years, uh, we were able to feed hundreds of people in the midst of the pandemic as soon as it started by, by delivering groceries to doors of people who had no resources and they were locked in. That was because of your generosity. Uh, we, we, we were able to write a check in the midst of the pandemic for $25,000 to the Springs Rescue Mission to help support homeless men and women through the pandemic. That was because of your generosity. Uh, we were able to provide, to provide nearly 200,000 meals for kids in Ethiopia through One Love Academy because of your generosity. Uh, we've been able to meet the needs of single moms, military moms, uh, families that are dealing with medical crisis through our See the Need initiative because of your generosity. It has been unbelievable. All of that on top of we built, we bought and renovated our first ever permanent church home together. You don't understand churches didn't buy buildings in the pandemic. <laughs> and you guys stepped out in faith and you gave and it was unbelievable. I mean, we, we had to raise $2.5 million over the past two, two and a half years in order for this home to happen. And you guys did it. We were able to accomplish that together. Isn't that beautiful? We, like we did something. But I know because that it is a heavy lift, and so you probably don't feel it. But man, you're so generous. We would have never been able to pull this off without families in the church. I know many of you are in the room right now. You have sacrificially gave to this mission. 
You've been doing everything you can to help this thing happen. And I just want to say thank you. I want to say this. The, 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 the baptisms we're seeing, the growth we're seeing, it would not have been possible without you. You did it. We're generous. It's a generous family. And, and I know I, I, when I say that, there's a risk of some of y'all who call this place home, but you aren't yet contributing financially, you might go, oh, no, wait a minute. I, I, I'm not generous. I say it to everyone because you're a part of a generous house. And if you're not generous yet, it's okay. Stick around because the generosity of this place will rub off on you. You rub shoulders with generous people. You're going to become, you're going to see the joy. You're going to see that Jesus was right. It's more blessed to give than to receive. It's a generous place. Now, can I say the, the second part? We're generous, but we're still in need. I want a real talk with you, okay? I don't talk about money a lot. I want a real talk with you about today. We just crossed a finish line for our church that was so massive, but it took everything we had. Um, if you don't know, I'm gonna get into the details of this a little bit with you. When we, before we built this building, we were in the basement of an old U-Haul building and it, we made the best of it that we possibly could. It was still the basement of a U-Haul building. And we were paying $33,000 a month in rent in that building. I'd been in church world long enough and I'd, I'd been around church finances enough to know that $33,000 a month in rent is about a mortgage payment on an $8 million building. And so I knew if we, could, if we could overcome the hurdle of getting a down payment, we could be paying into our future every month and not throwing it away in rent. We could have something that really reaches people and not throwing it away in rent. And so we went through this process of trying to raise money for this building. And because it was COVID, the bank had really, really tight lending restrictions. They didn't exactly feel comfortable lending money out when the world was shut down, nor to a church that didn't have much money in the bank. And so they put some really heavy uh, uh, stipulations on us. Not only did we have to raise the initial down payment for this facility, they want us to commit to raising an additional $700,000 on top of that down payment over the first 18 months of us being in this building. They wanted to see that we were going to grow and continue to, to give. And uh, I get the honor and privilege of telling you that just last month we wrote the last check to cover that amount, and it's over. So, it's beautiful. I'm going to be real with you. When I got the call from the bank that they were not requiring anything else of us besides our monthly mortgage payment, which is the same as what our rent was before. It's beautiful. When I got that call and the bank said, you're good. You've done enough, which is good because we didn't have anything left. When I got that call, uh, I was in my bedroom on my day off. My wife and I were getting ready to go to brunch. And uh, I, just, I just broke down and started weeping. I, I, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't figure out why. I was like what? like, what is happening to me right now? I got a good news call. Why am I crying? And it was because I didn't realize how heavy that weight was for two years of raising money and that, are, are we going to make it? Are we going to get there? And, and then once it was there, it was like, oh my gosh, we did it. We did it. We did it, guys. We did something that will change the future of this church. In 100 years at Peak City, 100 years from now, I think that we'll look back and, and tell the story of what we did over the last two years. It changed the future of our church. But I need you to know that because we did that, we are now in need. We knew this would happen. It was part of the plan all along. But we don't have reserves sitting around. We don't have some big flush bank account. No, no, no. We, we live in month to month right now. And we knew it would happen. But I say this to you because we still are in need. Now is not the time to back down. Uh, we need people who will step up and, and good old-fashioned church families like they used to do to step up and tithe. 
We need to make tithing sexy again. <laughs> if you don't know, tithing is giving 10% of what you make back to God to trust him with that. Uh, we need some people who can, who can give big here at the end of the year to, to give big. And, and I know you're saying, wait, 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 wait. Didn't we just say we're giving money away to build an aftercare shelter in Thailand? Yeah. Uh, next week, I'm going to share three different see the need stories where we stepped in and footed people's bills for things that they had no way to pay for here in our city. To meet. We're not going to stop giving. We're not going to stop serving people. We do both things at the same time. We build what God is doing in here and we serve what God is doing out there. And we will never stop that. But I, I'm saying this to you right now to say that I trust you and I trust that I don't need to beg. I trust that I don't need to keep hammering on it. I trust that you will hear what I'm saying here and take action. You can give online, you can give in the wall boxes. We don't need to keep going. You hear the need and you've always responded because you're a generous, generous family, okay? We are, we are generous, but we're still in need. Sound good? Love it. Last one, and then we'll move on. We are family, but still getting to know each other. We are family here. I could feel it. Um, if you were here at men's night, Men's night, we had 150 dudes standing around, and the dudes were just talking. They weren't working. They weren't playing sports. They were just talking. Like, if I knew all I had to do to get men to talk was have whiskey in church, we'd have it at the coffee bar. My gosh. <laughs> Lord Almighty. It was family. It was family, right? Women's night, I saw family. Our, our, our groups now that are growing, I see, I see family. I, when, when I tell you from stage I'm going to counseling and I receive nothing but encouragement and love, it, it feels like family. Like I can see it, comma, and we're still getting to know each other. And that's okay. When I say we, I mean all of us. I know there are people here right now who um, either moved recently, and this is a new community for you, or there are people here who pre-COVID, you went to a different church, and for whatever reason, you've ended up here. And I know there are people in this room that went to this church before COVID, and it doesn't even look like the same place anymore. <laughs> this is what the pandemic did to all of us. It turned community upside down. And I know I've talked to so many of you who, many of you have years at this church and you still feel a little unsettled. It's almost like, yeah, 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 this is home, but it don't feel like home. I wanna just validate that for a second. It's okay. It's okay that you don't feel fully known right now. It's okay that you've got relationships that are just starting to form. You know the community you had pre-COVID? It took a long time to build that. And, and then the pandemic turned it upside down. It's gonna take a while to build it back, and that's okay. But don't lean out. Don't back away just because it doesn't feel the same or it doesn't feel, no, no, it takes years and years and years. But man, I see us doing it, I see it. I had, I had probably four or five different conflict resolution conversations over the last month here inside of our church, and I was so grateful. Because that's what a, a, that's what a family does. Let me clarify, that's what a healthy family does. <laughs> a healthy family deals with conflict. A healthy family, when there's disagreement, when there's misunderstanding, they don't sweep it under the rug. They talk to each other and they hash it out and they find unity and love. And I saw us doing it. Like we're building something special. It's a family, but we're still just getting to know each other. So if you feel like community is still in process, the same, it's okay. I want to validate that. We're building something here. We're building something. It's going to take time. We're family, but we're just getting started. I'm telling you, when I squint my eyes and I look to the future, what kind of church are we? What, what, what's the vision? I see that we are becoming a growing and generous family. 
When I, when I look at the, the blurry picture, I can't tell you all the different people. I don't know. God's going to do what he's going to do. Who are we? we are becoming a growing and generous family. We are becoming, and, and it was so funny, because when I squint my eyes and I look to the future of that vision, we're becoming a growing and generous family. So, it's so interesting that if you look back at the history of the church, that's who the church of Jesus has always been. When you go back to Acts chapter 2, the earliest followers of Jesus, what did they do? It says that they broke bread in their homes daily. Sounds like a family to me. It, it, it says that they sold their possessions and gave as there was need. Sounds generous. And then it says that there were daily, daily people being added to their number, those who were being saved. It sounds growing to me. It's a growing and generous family. It's who the church has always been. It's who the church will always be. But if we're going to do that here, we have to get up. We have to take responsibility for this place like it's ours together. And we got to partner with the power of God and build something special. We got to get up. We got to get up. Because I'm telling you right now, the game ain't over. The game ain't over. My... Um, my history, my technical foul that I got in YMCA basketball yesterday. That's preceded by years of coaching youth basketball and getting way too into it. It's all good. It's part of it. But Big T, Taylor Warren, and I, we've been coaching for a long time together. We've been coaching our boys since they were like five years old in basketball. And when they were seven years old, there's a story we tell, we tell each other all the time. We, we, we relive this moment all the time. Seven years old, they're in the championship game of their little basketball league, and they're down by one point, 20 seconds left. My boy Emmett comes down the court. He sees Eli, Taylor's son, throws him a perfect pass. Eli, uh, uh, Eli steps back and just hits this, like, amazingly perfect shot. As a seven-year-old, takes the lead by one. Ten seconds left. They've got, I mean, they've got the lead, and they're so happy. They can't believe they made that shot. And so what do they do? Emmett and Eli go rolling down the court, running as fast as they can, and they do a head-first dive, both of them, head-first dive into the court, turn around and start doing snow angels on the court. <laughs> and in that moment, Taylor looks down at me, and I looked up at him, <laughs> and we both turned and started yelling the same thing to our boys. Get up! <laughs> The game ain't over. You've got to get up. Go. And what do they do? They sit there and they snow angeled for the next 10 seconds. And they inbound the ball and they run it right down the court. And they score the game-winning layup and we lose the championship. <laughs> Taylor and I are going to go to couples counseling for that. <laughs> get up, man. The game ain't over. I think that's maybe what God's just been putting in my soul and putting in for, like, yes, we, we pulled off this amazing feat. We made it through COVID and we're growing. That's awesome. The game ain't over. Yes, we, we raised money. We were able to collectively come together and make a difference outside of the church and then and make a difference inside the church. That's beautiful. The game ain't over. And yes, man, we've got family. We've got people getting to know each other. But man, the church is at its best when relationships are deep and we love each other big. I'm telling you, that's when the church is at its best. The game ain't over. If this, what we're building, the future we're working towards, it requires all of us to get up, to take responsibility, to partner with the power of God and build it together. A growing and generous family. And I want to give you the chance to commit yourself to doing that today. Um, it's a commitment to figuring out what that is for you. For some of you, it's giving and serving and inviting. For some of you, it's just being here every week and building. I want to give you the chance to respond to this vision and to say that you're in on it. All right, so I want you to stand to your feet. Get up. <laughs> and we do this every week as a private decision between you and God. 
bow your heads and close your eyes to give privacy to those around you. And if you know that God has called you to help build this place and you're not even sure exactly what that looks like yet, but you know God wants you to take responsibility for this house and to, to build it, to, to grow and to be generous and to make this place family. And you want to commit yourself to building that vision today with us. I want you to raise your hand on the count of three as a private decision between you and God. One, two, three. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Hands up all over the room right now. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Let's pray. Let's pray and ask God to do that in us. Jesus, we are so thankful that you were not content with who was already in the fold before you brought us in. We're thankful that you, you loved us enough to come down from heaven and stretch your arms out on the cross to die for us, to resurrect from the dead so that we could see that we have power over everything, even death. Jesus, we thank you for that. God, I pray for the future of our church. I pray for the vision of this house. I pray that you'd help us to continue becoming this growing and generous family and that you put it on all of our hearts what our next step needs to be. Put it on all of our hearts to take responsibility for this mission together. And God, we know that if we'll do that, if we'll, if we'll lock arms together, if we'll rally together, that you will build something special through us. You'll build the kind of church that we want to hand off to our grandkids and our great-grandkids one day. We know that you can do it, God. We know that your resurrection power can give us everything we need to get up and to build the way you want us to build. And so, Jesus, we ask you to do it in us. We trust that great days are ahead. We trust that you can do far more than anything we ask for or imagine. And so right now, we, we surrender this to you. We surrender our lives to you and our church to you. It's in Jesus' name we all pray together by saying amen. Thank you for joining us. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for weekly recordings of Sunday service and follow us on Spotify and Apple Music for weekly audio recordings and podcasts.